Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 39 of the Great Canadian Hockey Podcast. On behalf of myself, James Parisi, and my co-host, Aiden Sarah, I am feeling pretty good. How are you doing, fella? Oh, boy, James. Tomorrow morning, and by morning, I mean the middle of the night, I leave. And I guess you'll hear this on Saturday. So in very, very short order, I'm leaving my house to fly to Vancouver for the Christmas season. And I am excited for that. Scale of one to ten, how excited? I'm gonna go nine. I'm nine. gonna go nine. That's strong on the scale. You are. Yeah. I I imagine snowing over there, and you're done with that. Well, it hadn't been, and then it just dumped yesterday. So it's a good time to get out. Aiden, I um, <laughs> you and I have already had a bit of a morning together. We we uh we got an interview done, and so um, I am I'm kind of feeling it. I'm feeling pretty good. Um, and last episode when we closed it, I said we would do movies next pod and I don't want to forget it. And we have a lot to get through. So I want to get it off the hop. I watched a really good movie last week. Okay. What is it? I watched Manchester by the sea. Oh, boy! Wow. Casey Affleck is one of the best actors I've ever seen. Yeah. That's that movie's nuts. He was so good. How did you feel about the ending though? I'd say about the same as I felt about the whole movie, which was just very like the whole thing was somewhat harrowing. Right. And yeah. And the ending kind of followed that theme, I'd say, without spoiling anything. Right. Like it's not it's definitely not the saddest part of the movie, but it's, you know, it, it felt real. I would say yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. It it wasn't just like simulate a great storybook ending. It was it was perfect. And like this this movie won numerous awards like Casey Affleck I believe got best actor and it was definitely I, up for it and I believe it got best original screenplay and uh I I could be wrong but I believe it got I believe it got two Oscars and that was that was the two of them and also just like numerous other things like BAFTAs and stuff like that but yeah what a movie man and I didn't cry because you told me I was going to. And so I was expecting the part that was going to make me cry. And then I almost did at, at one point. And you know exactly which point. Yeah. Uh, I, was, so, I was very close. Casey Affleck won for best actor in the leading role. And best original screenplay was the other one. You were right. Gotcha. Perfect. All right. Uh, memory. Memory serves. I am thankful for memory. Good, good. Uh, have you watched any great movies in the past couple weeks here? I don't think so i've been there hasn't really been a time in which i haven't either been like sick or busy so i've watched i've thrown on and, and watched movies that i've seen before that's kind of my mo when i can't fully commit to it is like i'll pick a favorite i rewatched the departed the other day for the fourth or fifth time it's still amazing <laughs> it yeah it's still one of the best movies ever in my opinion that's it. That's all I got. Gotcha. And uh, as it is cold and flu season, and a lot of people go back and watch comfort movies, um, I did the same, and I rewatched all of the Indiana Jones movies. Um, awesome. They are just <laughs> awesome. Um, if any of your friends are a teacher or a professor, get them a hat and a whip for Christmas if you're looking for a Christmas gift idea. 
Um, I will be doing that for one of my friends who I don't believe listens to this podcast. So I, I think I'm, I'm safe on that one, but yeah. Um, enjoy your comfort movies. Hopefully cold and flu season doesn't hit you too hard. Let's get into some hockey. Aiden, do you want to start rough and tough or do you want to start happy? Where do you want to go with this? Let's start rough and tough. And, and, you know, this is our first pod in a little while because James and I were both on the IR and by IR, I mean, deathly sick like um, two flus in the past month put that into perspective yeah it's it's been it's been tough i never get sick and i like i don't i do not remember the last time i took an honest to god sick day and i had to this week it yeah um, i'm okay now <laughs> so these suspensions are a little bit old news but david perron gets six games erica branson gets one game i wanted your thoughts on both of them now i feel like you could probably guess where my allegiance would stand especially on the Perron one but I want to hear you well I know your stance is usually boom boom throw the book um but uh yeah you know what David Perron acted out of anger because he saw his captain and his team's top player on the ground injured unexplainably and he cross-checked the nearest guy in the face because he thought it was him and uh it was not the right thing to do um but you know what he to the moment he he did the crime and he is serving the time um perron has been suspended before i believe uh a couple of uh, times also? find find he's find, never find. actually been suspended but he okay he's been, yeah well i mean you know anyone who's watched david perron in his career will know that he plays with a bit of an edge and sometimes with that edge can come a little bit of dirtiness and, uh, you know, I love David Perron's game. I would love to have him on any team I cheer for any team I, I would imagine in my, in my imagination to be a part of, um, and, uh, yeah, one hell of a player, but he acted out of emotion and, and did something that was not okay. And he's serving the time. I, I think I probably would have given him four games, but six. Sure. Why not? Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I would have gone 10. Like to me, the what he did, in my opinion, we're talking McSorley Brashear, right? Artem Zub had absolutely nothing to do with anything that was happening on the ice. Dylan Larkin got sandwiched between Matthew Joseph and Parker Kelly. It's an unfortunate situation, but that's what happened. Those were the three players involved. So then two players not involved with that at all <laughs> are David Perron and Artem Zub. So Perron jumping Zub and cross-checking him with considerable force in the side of the head, like that would have been the same as Perron going and cross-checking the Ottawa goalie or going and cross-checking the like somebody on the bench. All of those players had exactly as much to do with Larkin being on the ground as Zub did. Like uh, to me, like it, it, if there's a scrum, if there's a hit along the boards and there's a cross check to the head, I get it. Low discipline. Artem Zub was literally just standing there and Perron jumped him, period. That was the entirety of that. I thought Perron should have been hit hard. Um, I agree with the Goodbranson one, though. Like one game for Goodbranson, Nick Cousins hit him and then Goodbranson, you know, at least those two players are both involved in what had happened previous, right? Artem Zub had nothing to do with Larkin and was just attacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Perron, if if Perron, like, 
had owned up to it. Maybe he did. I don't know. I don't know what that hearing was like. Uh, I imagine you just have to walk in there and go, I'm sorry. I thought he was the guy. And even if he was the guy, that's not okay. I messed up. Yeah, no, you're right. And and to me, you know, like if you're going to assault somebody, be sure. <laughs> right? Like... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, heat of the moment, right? What can you say other than that? Uh, Gabranson won. Um, I don't know. It, it didn't seem like a massive deal to me. I, I mean, you imagine you have some thoughts on it. Yeah, I don't love the Nick Cousins of it, right? Like, Cousins shouldn't have been in the game. The board from Cousins on Gabranson, I think, should have been five in a game. It was at high speed, you know, and, and that's the kind of hit that I don't, don't think massive suspension should be levied against, right? Because to me, Cousins Cousins made a mistake. So I, I didn't think he should be suspended for it. But Erica Branson, you know, he's trying to take the take the justice into his own hands. Um, I, I do I do think Nick Cousins should have fought him after that hit. I thought it was a little bit uh <laughs> it was a little bit cowardly not to after you you killed a guy like that. Um but Branson also has to you know, show a little bit of restraint. The guy's not fighting you. You got to not repeatedly punch him in the back of the head. So I would have been fine to see Gabranson get off with just a fine. One game doesn't seem like that bad of a suspension either. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got no beef with it. I don't know. It was, to me, it was whatever. Like, the, to me, that's okay. We have our textbook one suspension of, of the two-week period. I, I'm like, I'm not that, you know? No, I... I yeah, I mean, I mean, let's bookend this with it's it's not a huge deal, and the one game suspension is reflective of how that's not a huge deal. And also, Erica Branson makes four million a year. Uh, I don't really think he's all that worried about the 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 money loss from this one game sussy. So, yeah, I mean, moving on. Uh, St. Louis Blues, we got a lot going on. Craig Berube out. Uh, Chief, the much loved coach. Um, the guy's got a hell of a reputation around the NHL. Uh, Stanley Cup winner on that when he was had that interim tag in 2019. Um, very well respected former um uh edge heavy player in the NHL. Um, yeah, hell of a guy from all of the interviews I've heard. This guy is not going to be out of a job for long unless he wants to have a break. Like teams are going to be chomping at the bit to have him, especially looking at the success of Rick Tockett and and Chief kind of having a similar philosophy in the room from what I can tell from the outside perspective, um, I think he is going to be okay. I imagine it probably sucks because he loved St. Louis. But yeah, um, it felt sudden. I felt like they were in a ride it out for the year. I, I know they were struggling, but it felt like something that they were going to wait out, The from my perspective at least, because um, they weren't expected to do a lot this year anyway. So I, and they, they didn't bring in a lot of their like young talent this year either. Like if they, if they had a whole pile of their prospects coming in, I would understand maybe like, like, okay, let's start fresh, but maybe they want to start fresh before that. I don't know. Um, I, I believe the interim coach's name is Craig Bannister. Is that, is that right? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I believe his last name is Bannister. I don't know if Craig's his first name. Might be Mike, and it's it's one of those one syllable. Bannister is his last name. I think his first name's Drew, though. 
Oh, okay. All right. I knew yeah. it was a one syllable guy name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, uh, not diminishing this guy whatsoever. He's getting his opportunity to coach in the NHL stoked for him. Uh, first time NHL head coach. Uh, I wish him all the best with that, but yeah, Craig Berube out, um, for my fantasy team. I'm hoping that means Jordan Cairo starts putting up points. Uh, uh, that's, that's something you can hope for. Kairou and Thomas were both signed to those big extensions to basically be the core of the team going forward. And with a lot of money locked up to veterans outside of that, they've been a little bit limited in what else they can do to bring in high-end personnel. So those two have to be extremely effective. Thomas has really held up his end of the bargain. kairou has been a little bit more streaky. So um, Kairou, speaking of him, he's been booed. Um, what, what do you think about that? Uh, I thought that was crazy. Like if the I guy agree. had, if the guy, if Kairou had gone and, and, and ripped Barube and all the fans loved him. Yeah. Okay. He was like, listen, I got nothing to say. The guy's not my coach anymore. It is what it is. And he gets ripped for that. Come on guys. Right. Like really. And you could tell he was shaken up about it. And it, it it's, it's disappointing when you see a such a you know somebody who loves that city like Kairu does you know we, we've heard him talk about that um have that reaction to to the fans and yeah it's disappointing I think Brubay's firing yeah I think it needed to happen St. Louis has been on the downswing for a while and um I I think they're in a little bit of a tough spot they're kind of like Vancouver has had been in the years leading up to leading up to the last couple where you know, you've got mid twenties, young twenties talent like Jake Neighbors, Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, uh, but you know the the Justin Falk, Tori Krug, Brandon Saad, Braden Shen group. You know, even Jordan Bennington's thirty now, right? Like you have you have those guys where Binner's been playing make... his heart out this year. He, he's been playing good. He slipped of late. He started hot. He hasn't quite kept it up. Um, but even Pareko's 30, right? Like it's, 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 you're into a make a decision time. And I think you needed to give this group a new coach and see what they could do. Because I think if a new coach doesn't right this ship and make them a playoff team, I think we're looking at, uh, an overhaul retool situation here. I thought they were already doing that. I thought that was already what was happening. Like when they when they traded away O'Reilly and Tarasenko, I was like, "All right, this is the beginning. Here comes the teardown." But they have so many guys with term aiden. I know, I know, and that's kind of the... a lot of money at term. Like it's there was that deal that was rumoredly nixed in the summer where Travis Sanheim almost went to the Blues, but Krug uh, shut it down because he didn't want to go to Philly. Like that would have been real nice for them. I'm not I'm not dunking on Tory Krug. I like Tory Krug, but they just need so much shakeup on that team. Like, and does that shakeup come by way of trade, by way of contracts finally getting to the back end and expiring, or does it come by way of Dalibor Dvorsky coming in next, like in t- a year or two and and being a force? Like I I don't know what way this happens, but I don't think just axing the coach is going to fix much of anything. I think it's just a sign of the times. Yeah, and and, and that's kind of what I mean, right? Is like uh, they need to see, okay, is this new coach going to get something that w- 
something that we don't know if this group can do. Does that make sense? And, uh, you know, like I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this young core, James, for a team that, you know, has not really drafted very high. They've got some decent prospect stock. You talked about Dvorsky. That was their 10th overall pick. Otto Stenberg at 25 was an excellent pick. They got Jimmy Snuggerud at 23 last year. He's a good hockey player. Jake Neighbors has 10 goals already in 20-some games this year. He was a 26th overall pick. Nikita Alexandrov hasn't done anything in his 10 games, but he he's a guy I liked. I think he projects as a decent bottom six forward. He's good on my um, franchise mode team watch. Sure. Um, <laughs> Joel, and I like Joel Hofer as our backup, right? Like yeah, it's, He's only 23 years old. You know, he's He's got backup numbers, <laughs> 3.19 gold against and an 8.93 on a team that has been struggling to keep the puck out of their net. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't even think rebuild is necessary but you're right the problem is the vets have term and you're going to need to figure that out because vets with term are hard to move vets without term are valuable pieces right and and so i think for st louis you keep Cairo, you keep robert thomas uh, and pavel bushnevich pro- he's 28 he's, but I, he could end up being a trade ship yeah yeah he's he's an excellent player um I think you have to take a step back and ask, okay, when is this team going to compete? And then slot in the timeline with Buchnevich's age. If it's not for four or five years, trade him. If you think you can read tool and compete in two years, and you keep him because he'd still be a very effective 30-year-old. And considering um, they acquired him for Sammy Blaze, like it's, it's found money. It is, yeah. And they have Sammy Blaze back on the team, which yeah. I think is the funniest part. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do think it's retool time. And You'll never really hear me say that. I, I am usually team full rebuild. I don't think St. Louis needs full rebuild, but they definitely need to. They need a youth infusion and they need something to change. I'm happy with Robert Thomas's one C. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially if you can surround him with like Bushnevich is one of the most underrated players in the league, I think. You put okay. Bushnevich on one wing and and you get, you know, if you get another strong winger that can produce with Thomas, like Robert Thomas is perennially underrated as well. He's producing at above a point per game clip on a team where nobody's really succeeding. I want to say he's near the top of the league, like just outside the top 10 or just inside at even strength points. Yeah, he's got 30 and 29 games, right? And like that's, not much that's, is on the power play. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, but yeah, you look at just picking picking a vet, Justin Falk. He's at six and a half till 26, 27. Uh, Braden Shen. He's at six and a half till 27, 28. Corey Krug. He's at six and a half till 26, 27, right? Like it's Colton Pareko. He's at six and a half till 29, 30. That might be the worst one. Like it's, it's going to be hard to move those contracts out, let alone try and get assets in return for them. Right. Not, not that Pareko's a, a bad player, but he's 30. He has been on an age related decline for a couple of years now. And 29 30 man he's gonna be 37 years old like that's that's a top look <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the one thing that i will say with the blues on those expiring deals like i mean not expiring deals deals with term and a lot of money is like Braden chen is still a hell of a player like yeah it's- justin falk and tory crew are still as much as you know there, there can be some criticism about how their defensive game has slipped a little bit. They're still decent offensive defensemen. They're good puck movers, good power play guys. Um, 
Yeah, I just I they need more youth influx, but uh, there's just so much that they need but aren't gonna get. But it's just like it they're in they're in that waiting period. You know the waiting period. We've seen it on a ton of teams. Teams that just have all of this term and all of this money tied up. Like they are in limbo. Um, I mean, getting a higher pick and getting divorced, he was awesome. But um, like, like, I don't know. What do you see as a timeline here? That's the hardest thing to judge for St. Louis. And and that's kind of where if you are going to advocate for a rebuild here, you almost have to say, well, maybe Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo are just going to get lost in this era of blues. Right. And and that, yeah. that's a, that's a sucky thing to think for St. Louis. Um, but if you think about it, Kyrie's 25, right? All those guys have four or five years left. So by the time, unless you're going to make some very drastic moves to get out of those contracts, to bring in other guys, what are you going to, you know, like Kyrie's going to be 30 by the time this team's ready to compete. Like it's, it's, I think with some savvy movement, you could get it. You could get this stuff cleaned up in like three and a half, four years. Yeah, maybe. I I do think like you're expelling draft capital, and you have to have guys that you've drafted develop nicely. Yeah, and you know what, Jim Benning's not a GM anymore, for good reason. But there was once an NHL general manager who traded for the extremely injury prone and no longer good at hockey version of Oliver Ekman Larson at 32 with so much term and so much money, right? Like if a team desperately needs an offensive defenseman, somebody's going to take Kruger Falk. If a team needs that veteran forward and has some cap space, somebody might take Shen, right? You need to pull the trigger on those trades. If they come up, you need to be pushing those. And I think now that Baruby's gone, they would actually consider moving a guy like Shen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. what Whatever it is, I don't really like it. Because I really enjoyed the Blues being a competitive team. They always had a lot of heart, and they, they were always fun to watch under Baruby. They they were a good mix of talent and tenacity, and it's, it's kind of sad the era's over. I enjoyed watching that Blues Cup team. But moving on, the Edmonton Oilers are no longer in the basement. They're moving straight out. I believe they are on the uh, the ground level now. Um, yeah. Um, Connor McDavid is Connor McDavid. What more can you say about that? Not a lot. I mean, I you know, I I think this was coming. I do. Um, you know, they're only five hundred. Going to be like that all year. Yeah, and I I think they're they're getting <laughs> they're still not getting the best goaltending in the world. They're getting some saves. Connor McDavid's got 25 points in his last 10 games. That's not a mistake. That's true. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's crazy. That um, <laughs> so, and they've worked themselves back into fourth in the Pacific. I, I don't think the top three teams in the Pacific are going to get hit. I don't think the Oilers are going to catch them. Um, LA, Vancouver, and Vegas are playing too well. Um, I think that top three in the Pacific is locked in. But if I if you look at the other teams that are sniffing around wildcard spots, I think they're better than all of them. They're better than Calgary by a lot. They're better than Seattle. I think they're better than Nashville, even though Nashville is currently the team ahead of them. I think they're better than St. Louis. I think they're better than Arizona. I think they're better than Minnesota. Like I I I believe the wildcard one is theirs for the taking. I don't disagree with that. And uh like 
So you see that when McDavid fully reactivates, you see his supporting cast fully reactivate. Like Ryan Nugent Hopkins is off to the races, which is, again, amazing for my fantasy team. Thank you very much. Um, and Evan Bouchard, like he's just starting to pile up points again. Zach Hyman has been an absolute force, whether McDavid's on the ice or not. Like he is just fully, fully ready to go. Like their their offense is great. Like early on this year, you would be like, okay, they haven't had a point out of the top six in in five games. What is going on? And now you're seeing a couple depth guys chip in a point here and there. Like it it reinvigorates the team when your superstar is doing that again. When the when they can see, okay, he's got us. I need to do my part. And yeah, I mean, I didn't think they were going to flounder all year. I don't think many people did, but when you go through just over 20 games or around 20 games and doing that, people start to lose a little bit of faith and you start to get recency bias. You start to forget that this team has been to a second round and a conference final in the last two years. They've been a regular season force and Connor McDavid is Connor McDavid. He's the best player on the planet. And watch out, Nikita Kucherov. And I hope someone put a small future bet on McDavid to win the points total, uh, to regular season points, when he was behind by 20. Well, speaking of Nikita Kucherov, though, man, he's playing he's playing some hockey. Like... <laughs> This guy's 30 and he's on pace for his career year. And that's saying something because he got 128 points one time. Um, he is single-handedly right now what is making Tampa Bay still in the playoff hunt. They're fifth in the Atlantic. This is the start of the end, though, James, for Tampa Bay. You can tell. Um don't ask me how Washington's doing so well. I don't have an answer for you, <laughs> but they're right around there with Washington, Carolina, and Detroit for those wild card spots. Hey, we say beginning um, of the end, but I could still see this team going and winning two or three playoff rounds. I do not think they're going to win two or three playoff rounds. But I, could I, I I'm not going to say it out. automatic. Yeah, well, and if they do, it's going to be up to Nikita Kucherov. He's on a 54-goal, 135-point pace. That is crazy. The guy's got 50 points in 30 games already. 20 goals and 30 assists. Him and Braden Point are playing such good hockey. And Steven Stamkos just scored four goals. He's above a point per game. Brandon Hagel continues to be just an amazing trade for them to get a bona fide top six forward in there. And, you know, it's the depth right tanner Janot is not producing the way they want him to anthony sorelli and nick paul they're doing their part but sorelli doesn't always show up on the score sheet like that's that like oh it's not his game yeah he's he's his effectiveness comes in the uh in the two-way game but what i'm saying is you know outside of the outside of the basically outside of the first power play you know they're not getting enough production right and i think that uh, that's going to be their challenge is is the the Connor Sherry's who only has one goal in 14 games, right? Like need to step up in a big way. Um, and for Tampa Bay, it's always come from the AHL team, right? Like <laughs> perennially. So uh, I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the plan is. Obviously I don't know if, if 
if they're going to be looking to Syracuse to pull up maybe some of those some of those young guys we haven't heard of that are going to turn into the <laughs> turn into these perennial NHLers. Um, but yeah, we we uh, we'll, well see. Even this is a team that's always been very active in terms of trade. Like like considering they've expelled all that draft capital over the past several years, could you see them doing this kind of thing again? Another futures trade for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I think I, so. I look, I look to their AHL team, and I'm not seeing a guy who can walk in and fill in the blanks. I mean, on the back end, maybe Philippe Myers can come up. I like. I. I. I don't. I don't see a guy who's going to come in and fix it. I. I really don't think that's what they need. Is like a savior. I just think the bottom six need some help. For sure. And, you know, actually, there's one guy I forgot on the AHL team. Maxim Groshev, 15 points in 23 games, 8 goals, 7 assists, uh, solid plus minus. Like, he is 22 years old, third-round pick from 2020, um, solid Russian winger. That could be something. That hey, could, listen. That could be a middle six acquisition from internally. Listen. My cousin Gage on that team has gotten better every single year he's played hockey. <laughs> so maybe maybe that's it. Call up Gage Tampa. I'd love to see him play in the NHL. Well, they'll call him up when he does an interview with us. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I gotta text him. Yeah, yeah. I have uh I have a, a deal going with uh with Breezebois with Julian. <laughs> yeah, we uh we've been texting back and forth and he says, Yeah, man, once you get him on the pod, he's coming up. Okay, so after the Tampa Bay Lightning, I want to talk about the Devils because this was a team that was supposed to be a Stanley Cup contender. What do you think happened, James? Why aren't they? Um, well, things were going fantastic until they were derailed by injuries to their top two centers. They And then now Dougie Hamilton is out, and they still haven't recovered. Goaltending was an issue from the start seemed like they might be able to kind of do that fake it till you make it thing. Vanacek is not a bad goaltender, but he is struggling. Um, that You kind of thought maybe he's the guy who can get enough saves, but they haven't been able to get enough saves. Akira Schmid was kind of looked at as the next guy up who could even take the starting job this year. He's struggled. Um, I don't think this is a plug-and-play goalie fix. I think structurally they have some stuff to work on. Um, I've had it pointed out to me that they have been having a hard time since Andrew Brunette left as assistant coach as well. That has been a damper on them. Their power play hasn't been as good defensively. They haven't been as good. I don't know how much or what specifically he was responsible for, but you know, you take, you take one mastermind out of the equation that, uh, that can really mess up a recipe, especially when it's already hampered by injuries, um, and maybe structurally not too sound to begin with. They have guys who are really responsible on that back end in uh in Jonas Siegenthaler. Um, like I I I trust his game a lot, but like how much can he play? And they're relying a lot on Luke Hughes. Simone Nemich is playing right now, and you know, he had a really solid start to his seat, uh, like his call-up, but like how much can you depend on them to be playing 22 minutes a night against everyone's top forwards? Like, I, I don't know. Are are they ready for that yet? Or did they need more sheltering? I, I feel like this is a real 
show me what you got. Can you get yourself out of this time? I don't think this is Lindy Ruff's fault. I think this is a structural and what are we right now issue. Um, again, Jack Hughes is piling up points. Um, he is not on the same pace he was on after that torrid start to the season before the injury, but you know, they need more from everyone. I don't love Timo Meyer there. I really don't. It's not Andre Palat, Timo Meyer, Dawson Mercer are all guys that if you told me before the season that you thought they were going to produce at a point per game clip, maybe bold, but not inconceivable. Palat's got 13 and 27, four goals. Mercer's got 11 and 27. Meyer's got 11 and 20. Like, it's the secondary scoring right now for New Jersey to me that that is is a problem. I think the defense is fine, honestly. I think you 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 don't need to you, you don't need to do anything to it. It's goaltending and secondary scoring. Now, when I say the defense is fine, I mean the players are fine. Yeah. Nico Heischer has always been a very excellent two-way forward. The rest of the team, James, because I, I watched two games last week. New Jersey was in Vancouver. They won a very high-scoring game. And then I went to the Saddle Dome, and I watched New Jersey play Calgary. New Jersey's forwards, pretty much outside of Nico Heischer, do not play defense enough. I Jack Hughes, maybe it was a bad game. It, it might have been a bad game. But Jack Hughes, I don't think I saw Jack Hughes make a stick check in the entirety of both games I watched him play. Jack Hughes, despite the fact, yeah, he's got 34 points in 22 games, he, his back check was non-existent. His forecheck was non-existent. He was completely a periphery player. And this is a guy they're counting to be a centerman, right? Like, he needs to, uh, he needs to start playing some some two-way hockey. I, I think I think the problems with New Jersey, obviously it's, it's in the crease, it's secondary scoring, but I think outside of, Outside of Heischer, the forwards just need to pitch in more. The, if you watch the goals New Jersey are conceding, I don't see them as the defenseman's fault. The forwards absolutely... Lindy Ruff needs to integrate. Listen, we defend as a five-man unit. That's what needs to happen because that is not happening there right now. And Jack Hughes is the biggest culprit. He is doing nothing off the puck. He's doing nothing in his own zone. He's floating around. When he gets it, he makes something magical happen. That's great, but that's 40% of the game. Um, One bright spot, Alexander Holtz hasn't looked bad. I mean, you want more out of the guy you drafted pretty high, but he hasn't looked bad. He's looking like an NHL regular. I will say that is kind of nice. Um, uh, The other defenseman I was thinking of on that team that you can rely on quite a bit, John Marino. That name was escaping me for quite a while. He's developed really nicely, and... I like Kevin Ball a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. Also a defenseman wearing number 88 who happens to be like seven feet tall is kind of awesome. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holtz, this is the best he's looked in his pro career, right? Like he struggled. Um, He struggled after his draft year, right? He didn't take the DY one step in the SHL that they had hoped. He had a really good first full season in the AHL, but didn't really make the full NHL jump. But yeah, he's on a 24 goal pace, right? he's probably been the best of that secondary scoring group and he's 21 years old sky's the limit so they'll hope he can he can continue to grow i want a lot more of dawson mercer like a lot yeah dawson oh man i i before the season i would have i would have said mercer would have been set in the 70 to 80 point range and he's been 
nowhere close to that player. I wouldn't have thought that high, but like 60 would have been pretty nifty and like 60 and playing really dependable hockey. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think New Jersey is more likely to sort itself out internally than make shakeups. I, I think that is the most, most likely way to go. Um, but you know what? Let's, let's, let's take a more positive note here. Uh, let's take a more personal and one that, one that hits home. Aiden, last night, as we were recording this on Friday, December 15th, the Vancouver Canucks honored Roberto Luongo and put him in the ring of honor. Did you watch that video? It was nice. That video yeah, was I really did. nice. It was sweet. And, and, you know, like the whole thing, I definitely had to keep talking myself into appreciating it because um i still couldn't shake he should have been he should have had his number retired like unequivocally i won't even like uh, i'm so 100 sure about that um but everything was nice their whole week what they did on social media was nice and and you know he's he's one of the best personalities in hockey i really would love to see him do more broadcasting more more stuff on camera um because he's he's just he's such an awesome guy he's such think, an awesome guy i think he really likes he's still doing that role with the panthers i think he really likes it oh he's working with hockey canada too in, in yeah. development like he's still in hockey i just want to see his face more that's what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> yeah honestly like i think he's more likely to be a gm one day than a broadcaster 100 oh, like that that is where it's going but you know like think about somebody like rick tockett where in between jobs i'll see you on tv why the heck not right like yeah totally <laughs> um yeah totally. he's he's great he did a lot right he was the first jersey i ever had was a canucks luongo one it's kids small <laughs> i don't know where it is but it's i think it's at my parents house in maple ridge um collecting dust in a closet i i i have no idea james i i <laughs> that's a great question um what are the odds you think the crest has a huge crease in it from being folded for a long time you know what i think it was one of those like I don't know what the word for it is. It wasn't one of like the full Reebok authentic jerseys. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's it. It was like almost like the stickery stuff. Yeah, I don't um, know what you're talking about. Yeah, the first legit jersey I had is Henrik Sedin, and that is on the wall of my parents' house, Maple Ridge. But, um, my first one was a Marcus Nasland, and I, yeah, I wish I treated it better because I like went to take it out and look at it the other day, and it looks awful. But I also like wore it to school extremely often in eighth grade. I, I don't um, even know why. It wouldn't even be a Canucks game day. Like I, I wasn't. They weren't even my favorite team. I just like wore it like every day. I don't. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It was. It was a great ceremony, and uh, I thought Kevin Bieksa narrating for the video was pretty cool. Like, like, yeah. uh, he had some good lines. He had some really good lines in there. Some of them escaped me about him just not being, not just being the goaltender, about being the backbone of this team, and you know he's. Uh, he's a guy who will pretty much be eternally loved in Vancouver. And that is pretty awesome considering um, how people looked at him on his way out. It's uh, I thought he was really, really disrespected on his way out. I didn't like that. Uh, I constantly berated people for just treating the guy wrong, even though like, I don't know the hockey fans are going to be hockey fans, but that was like always one of my biggest gripes 
was that people didn't give him the respect he deserved and that it wasn't all his fault that they didn't win in the 2011 finals. Uh, no, it wasn't. Like, like, like anyone who watched Game 7 would have seen a team that is just defeated already as soon as they set foot on the ice. I I still say to this day, the player working the hardest on the ice that night was Jeff Tambellini for Vancouver. I I don't I'm not gonna argue with that. <laughs> yeah. Um well, uh, I know you want to shine a light on a couple guys doing well in the AHL. What do you got? Yeah, uh, you know what? Like this is this is big, right? The CHL still has the thing where you can't go. You can't go to the NH. You can't go to the AHL until your your eligibility is done. So that means Logan Stankovic and Brant Clark are twenty twenty one year old AHL rookies. Um, they'll turn twenty one this season. I mean, um, Stankovic's got fourteen goals and twenty nine points in twenty two games. That's a ninety five point pace. Brant Clark has twenty five points in twenty four games as a defenseman. That's a seventy five point in seventy two game pace. This is a guy who put up twenty three goals and sixty one points in thirty one OHL games last year. Clark is coming. Stankovic is coming. Prepare for these guys because they look dynamite and pro so far. And the only reason they're not in the NHL is because of how strong both the Los Angeles Kings and the Dallas Stars are. That's it. But they're coming and they're coming fast. Uh, speaking of the strength of the stars, who is the number one scorer on the Texas Stars, Aiden? On the Texas Stars, oh man! If it's not Stankovic, I'm not entirely sure. I know who it is. Is this somebody like I should be getting? Should very well know this. Oh man! Texas Stars leading scorer. Texas Stars leading scorer. It's another young guy, isn't it? Because I know yeah. that team's young. Is it yep. Maverick Bork? Yep, thirty-two yeah. points in twenty-two games. He's got three more points than Stankovic. Yeah, and this Maverick Bork's 21, right? He was the first rounder in 2020. Like, the Dallas is good, and there's no reason not to think they're not going to be good for years to come. They did the retooling thing perfectly, and they've got the Sagan then Pavelski replacements coming, right? It's like it's, yeah. and that's to add to the Jason Robertson, Rupe Hintz, and Miro Heiskanen core. Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's something to behold here. Uh, one more player on our AHL watch for the week. Uh, San Diego Gulls defenseman Olin Zellweger, 18 points in 21 games. Oh man, Anaheim's defense is is insane, man. Like it's 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 not fair <laughs> to put it mildly. How good everybody in that organization is. Yeah, Olin Zellweger. You saw it in the World Juniors, right? Like anybody who paid attention could see this guy and his talent. But they've got Pavel Mintyukov already there everybody's going to get to know both noah warren and tristan luno they're two second rounders from 2022 that both made the canadian world junior team this year luno has already played nhl games noah warren's a six foot four beast of a defenseman you go farther back you got tyson hines who played for canada last year looked excellent jamie drysdale is still very much a guy <laughs> he's just a little bit of a injury setback henry thrun is a decent player jackson lacombe was still could have some potential wait, wait. henry thrun's on the ducks now Sorry, he's in San Jose, isn't he? Yeah, he was drafted by the Ducks. San Jose signed him out of Harvard. I knew it was California. I thought it was San Jose drafted him. He went to Anaheim, but it was the other way around. Missing one. One On Anaheim? Who's going to get buried in this in Anaheim, unfortunately, I I think. Drew Hellison. Yes, yeah. Yeah, he was an avalanche draft pick and uh, very, very solid young defenseman. I think he could have an NHL career um honestly i think he could be like a number four or five defenseman like very very dependable every end of the ice dynamic when needed to be um but 
they just have so much strength on that back end and not everyone's going to make it. So it's going to be interesting to watch who does and who doesn't. Well, and don't forget, they tried to claim Lassie Thompson off waivers from Ottawa as well. Um, right. Ottawa claimed him back eight days later, <laughs> but uh, that that's another guy with still some upside, 23 years old, you know, maybe the time's running out a little bit for him, but still, still has NHL upside for sure. Well, here's here. Uh, Canada's World Junior rosters are out, and I know you put a lot of time into uh, into a projection. How's this stack up compared to what you thought it was going to be? Uh, the Jagger Furcus omission was probably the thing that surprised me the most. But here's the thing, right? And then I have had some people asking me. I was talking to. I was talking to. I don't want to. I'm not going to out the player, but I was talking to somebody in the WHL about Jagger Furcus uh, the other day, and um, again, I'm 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 not going to say who, but him and I were both in agreement that at the end of the day, you're building a team, and Jagger Furcus is the kind of guy where if he's not going to be a top six forward on the power play, he's not going to be an effective bottom six forward. Just the game he plays, he's not an all situations guy. Right. And if you look at this team and you look at the high end talent like Macklin Celebrini, uh, somebody like Jordan Dumay is going to be a good player. If you haven't heard of him, you're going to hear of him. Matthew Savoy, Connor Geeky, Braden Yeager. That top six is filled out. Right. Nate Danielson is probably going to be in there as well. Um, so when you put it in terms like that, I don't think you're surprised Fergus isn't there. Owen Beck is the only returnee that usually means he's going to be captain. Right. I wouldn't be surprised to see Danielson as captain either, but Beck will have a letter on. Um, team looks good. I, again, I had people asking me about this team all week. I said, I've seen worse teams win and better teams lose. Uh, looking at all the other rosters, they're among the best. The Americans have a good team as well. Uh, I want to highlight Denton Matejchuk on the back end. He will be probably their number one defenseman. Tristan Luneau will be right up there with him. And then you've got Matthew Savoy, Macklin Celebrini, Matthew Wood, Nate Danielson, Braden Yeager, Connor Geeky, and Jordan Dumay. Carson Reckoff all could really play big roles. Um, just in, in terms of Denton Matejchuk, where do you think he stacks up to other uh, top defensemen we've had on the back end for Canada in recent years? I think he's a better all-around defenseman than Olin Zellweger, honestly. Like in terms of just the two-way game, Zellweger's pure offense. I think if you're trying to think Matejchuk, I, I think you think maybe a a more offensive Kevin Korczynski, better, better offensively. Um, and Korczynski's playing awesome in the NHL this year, right? Interesting. Okay, and then I mean, you you kind of touch on goaltending a bit. What? How do you, how do you feel? Well, at the end of the day, James, honestly, like very rarely have I <laughs> am I super familiar with the goaltenders before they go in. They've got Scott Ratzlaff, who was a fifth rounder from Buffalo. He's playing well in Seattle this year. You know, he, his numbers aren't as good as they were last year because Seattle did the all-in Memorial Cup push, and their roster is not nearly as good this year as last year, so he's not getting, you know, the same help that he did have in previous seasons. But I I, I have some faith. I, I Again, I'm not going to count these guys out until we, we see them in action. Well, anyone without faith should remember that Devin Levi was an unknown before he went in. We didn't oh, know completely. what we were with him. Devin so. Levi was, like, extremely an unknown. This was, like, the highest level Devin Levi played was Junior A. Yeah. He was he was unreal. So we'll just have to see. Uh just kind of one more world junior note. Um how insane is that US team? Quite good. Again, I I I'm not as sold on that. I, I'm not as sold on them as, as others are, right? Like the Will Smith, 
the Will it's the Will Smith, Gabe Perot, and Ryan Leonard line that I am very much waiting to see how they do. Right, that's the one I don't know. Um, but the thing with the Americans is you've got Frank Nazar, Oliver Moore, Rucker McGrory, Jimmy Snuggerud on that forward court. Cutter Gauthier. Cutter Gauthier is still there. Yeah, Gavin Brindley's there. And then you got Lane Hudson on the back end. I, I'm looking at this American team, James. They're my favorites. I think they're the Isaac Howard. Pardon? Isaac Howard. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, all then, over more is still is one of my favorite players in college hockey. Like he he's lightning fast. He's very defensively responsible. This is a team. This is a good team. This is a real contender. And I think uh, I think I, I, I would have them as my betting favorites. Raz of right yeah, now. Me too. Uh, I I'm I'm actually like frightened. Like I mean, yeah, and you know what? The last time the last time the Americans looked this much better than than average or above was 2020. Um, and if you're following along uh, with on the Instagram page or top 20 world junior moments, one of the <laughs> one of the moments that we've had on there in the countdown was Finland beating the states in the 2020 quarterfinal. Right, the end of the day. On paper is just on paper, right? Dude, Trey Augustine in that too. Yeah, no, this they're the favorites. We'll we'll see. Oh, oh. um. Also, I just want to note James Haggins. He's made it far in that selection camp. He is a 2025 draft eligible player. When was the last time you saw a player this young make it this far in selection? More specifically for that American team. Um. I can't remember one. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm, I'm well, I'm, I'm obviously more well-versed than the Canadians, right? Like it's, it's, um, but yeah, Hagen's is an excellent player. Uh, everybody was a little bit surprised that he was picked over Cole Eiserman. Again, Hagen's is more likely to play any role you give him. If Cole Eiserman isn't a top six forward or power play guy, offensive guy, he's not going to be an effective bottom six forward, right? He's not going to play those roles. He's not going to kill penalties. He's not going to match up with the other team's best players. Hagen's on the other hand, is more a guy that can do everything. So again, people DMing me, asking me about these because I've had these questions. <laughs> hey, what, what what's with this? What's with this? Um, that's why Higgins is there. It's an Eiserman. <laughs> gotcha. Um, any other notes with the World Juniors schedule? Anything like that? Uh, not necessarily specifically, but they're all in my calendar. Canada opens up on Boxing Day against Finland at five thirty in the morning Pacific time. James, um, that, that's great. Uh, and then the big one against the hosts on the 29th, they play Sweden. That should be fun. Uh, I got to ask, do you have any world junior traditions with your friends or family? I have one. My uncle and I usually do eggs, bennies for that boxing day game, regardless of what time it is. So 5.30 a.m. sharp, we will have eggs, bennies ready to go. Um, My best friend and I, I don't think like I'm going to see if he wants to. We have a abhorrent track record of world junior games we watched together like terrible we watched russia beat canada six nothing in 2020 together uh, um we watched czechia beat canada 5-2 last year together we were both in the building when finland beat canada in the 2019 quarterfinal like it's just it, it's it, it, every memory i can think of watching a world junior game with him it it ends poorly so I don't I think we're just gonna avoid each other. <laughs> That's a really good idea. I think for our sake, you guys have to sacrifice some bro time. Yeah, that I, I we'll we'll see. We'll see. Because obviously one good one game goes well and all of a sudden then you know hopefully curse is broken. But 
Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that is all we have for a our World Junior section here. Obviously, it's going to be a ton of fun to watch, and we'll we'll stay with you guys as much as we can on it. We'll have a little bit more before the tournament itself. But um, yeah. I mean, I haven't said this line in a while, Aiden. No, man. It ain't the great Canadian hockey podcast without a couple great games to play. Do you have some trivia for me, fella? I mean, just because it's uh, World Junior season, I I was going to, I, I wanted to have this be a more fluid trivia. So what okay. I want you to do is I want you to pick a World Junior tournament from the last 10 years, and I will give you a trivia question from that tournament. Oh, I hate when you ask me World Junior stuff. Honestly, I wish you were just going to ask me like, like, something about like what an nhl player's favorite breakfast is or something because honestly i'd have better luck because like i watch these tournaments i live and die and bleed with them and then i am so out of it and i it's 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 almost like an out-of-body experience watching these games and then it's like okay it was over cool gotcha we're done um uh yeah so i want the jack hughes capo caco showcase Okay, 2019 gold medal game. Yeah. Not specifically right. that game, but that tournament. That tournament. Okay. That was the last tournament in which the medal round was fully a bracket. Oh. Now they're the teams get reseeded. So that was the final tournament that you knew like the winner of this game is going to play the winner of this game regardless of who the winners are. I like that better. Okay, now, the reason this happened, on paper, Finland weren't super strong that year, right? Uh, Russia and the U.S. were, on paper, the two strongest semifinalists by a mile. Finland and what other team were in the other semifinal? Because this is part of the reason they changed it, is, like, you had this heavyweight semifinal and then this quite weak semifinal on paper. Oh. Okay, I remember the game because me and my friend Caleb watched it and I remember I was drinking a lucky lager and Caleb was making food. Okay. <laughs> okay. I I'm trying to refresh my memory on this. Uh and I remember before the game started, I was like, this is this is going to be a complete floor wiping. Well, and again, the the reason that the, the whole thing got changed is like the semifinal, the States and the Americans were both group winners. Finland was third place in their group. And this other team that was in the semifinal was fourth place in their group. Did the semifinal team end up getting a bronze? No. Oh. Okay, so it's not that one. Is this Slovakia? It was Switzerland. Damn it! That was my other one. Switzerland beat Sweden in the quarterfinal. Yeah. And then it was, yeah, it was fourth place Switzerland against third place Finland, and then first and second US there Russia. Was, there was a good player on that Swiss team. Yeah, Blackhawks prospect at the time, playing for Chicago now. We've had this question before. You've asked me to identify this player before. Haven't you? Uh, maybe, maybe. Six goals in seven games. Scored two against Canada. I don't remember. I, I'm blanking. 
Philip Kurashev. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. He's looking really good this year. He's a very good player. I've had a lot of faith in him for a while. Top huh. six upside for sure. His name doesn't sound Swiss like whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, European names are European names. Right? Yeah, like... yeah. They, they mix and mingle a bit. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, all right. So as Aiden knows, but uh, uh, you guys wouldn't know, uh, the question that I was putting together was a complete mess, and it was dumb. And this one is going to be even more dumb, but it works. So uh, this has nothing to do with the World Juniors, as I had just said, uh, but for a different reason, because this is a, a second question I just made up on the spot that doesn't have anything to do with the World Juniors. Um, I am going to... I'm going to give you a player and the I'm going to give you a, a trade to the first team he was acquired by. And then you have to tell me the order of which teams he was traded to. And I want <laughs> it, it's going to be a bit of a mess. Originally, I was going to ask you to give me a piece uh, that came back in return for each of these trades. You don't have to, but you get bonus points for every one you do. So, to start it off, in 2009, Nick Bonino was acquired by the Anaheim Ducks from the San Jose Sharks. This player was traded one, two, three, four times in his career after that. Can you give me those trades in order? You don't have to detail all, all, the, all the pieces because that would be mind-bogglingly stupid and difficult to do. But... Where was Nick Benino traded first? This should be an easy start. Okay. Yeah. The first two are going to be easy because it, it was Anaheim to Vancouver as part of the Kessler trade. Yeah. And then it was Vancouver to Pittsburgh for Brandon Sutter. Okay. Now, I know, like, I can I, I can pretty confidently say I can give you, like, his career trajectory. The problem is, like, which teams he was signed and then which teams he was traded to. Okay, so I can give you the date of this next trade. It was October 7th, 2020. And you were correct in saying uh, a team had signed him and traded him to another. Okay, I think he was traded to Minnesota. Mm -hmm. I don't know who from. I, I think it was Nashville. You're right in saying that. Okay, okay. Because I do remember he went to Nashville after Pittsburgh because it was the team that he had beaten in the Stanley Cup final the year prior. Yeah. Um, and then you have a bit of a uh, – the, 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 there's one move left, but it's a double-barrel move. Oh, like he got flipped? Yeah. Okay, then I'm not going to get it. Y I yeah, know I, San Jose, I don't expect you to get the middle barrel. I know San Jose traded him, and I think he ended up in Pittsburgh because uh -huh. I think the Rangers signed him, and I think San Jose signed him. Yeah. Um, I don't have any other details. Yeah, technically he was property of the Montreal Canadiens for a couple minutes. Sure. Okay. You didn't have to get that. So, you know, you got you got very good points on that. I would have given you bonus points for uh for knowing that he was traded for Luke Cunning. Oh wow, okay. And um yeah, uh yeah, that's the only bonus point I, I honestly think you missed out on. That uh, I I do want to start for um um 
instead of doing career trajectories, I want to like I want it to be trade trajectories and talk about the trades a bit more because I think trades are a little bit more interesting and I think we really played out career trajectories. I think like the odd one here and there would be kind of fun, but I think like if we could find a way to refine this this idea somehow, it would be pretty sweet. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, moving on, we already touched base on movies. So I will ask, are there any movies that are on your list that you want to watch sometime soon? I My dad doesn't really watch movies without me, even though he's into them. Mm -hmm. So over the break, I want to find time to watch both Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon with him. Sweet. Both I've already seen, but that's on my list. Um, I don't know about ones that I haven't seen on my list yet. How about you? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I became aware of a movie from the early 2000s called Layer Cake that's considered Daniel Craig's unofficial audition for James Bond because he plays a really similar style of character to his version of Bond. And uh, apparently it did well in reviews. Apparently it's a great watch. So I'm gonna, I definitely want to check that one out. Seems to be on a couple streaming services. So I'll let you know how it is and uh, let you know if it's worth it. But it seems all signs point to it being worth it. Um. Yeah i I think we have some questions to answer too. We're we're pretty overdue on those, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, I've kind of just pulled three from Spotify and Instagram to to answer. So it's the top three there. If you want to go. Gotcha. All right. Well, favorite Christmas movie. This one is a pretty loaded question for me because I I love Christmas, Aiden but I'm not big on Christmas music and I'm not big on traditional Christmas movies. I really enjoy movies that revolve around Christmas time and are maybe like a buddy comedy that's at Christmas time or something along those lines or like an action movie that's at Christmas time. Like you look at like a Die Hard or like an, a night before with Seth Rogen and Joseph Gordon-Levitt like uh, or, or um, Why Him with James Franco and Brian Cranston. Those movies all happen to be at Christmas time. And some of the story revolves around it being Christmas. A lot of it in, in some cases. But the movie works without it being Christmas. Like, I am not as obsessed with Elf as everyone else. It, it's cool and all, but I watch it in grade three, in grade four, in grade five, in grade six, in grade seven. Like, in every class right before Christmas in elementary school. We would watch that on the last day and have popcorn. And I can't see that movie without getting the taste of popcorn in my mouth. I don't really like plain popcorn all that much. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Christmas Vacation is probably up there. It's another one that kind of works aside from the Christmas thing. Obviously, it's... It, it's um, a total banger. It would work if it wasn't Christmas. That's just a yeah. like solid ensemble cast. Yeah. Okay. Somebody... I had this pointed out to me recently. Catch Me If You Can. Christmas movie? No, but portions of the movie revolve around Christmas. And that okay. is an important part of it. So that, that's that like one. one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. I will. I won't echo it being my favorite Christmas movie because I won't watch it around Christmas. Uh, but I I like that and I like that you went there. Um give me 
one team that is overrated and one team that is underrated this year. Uh, the 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 yeah the, the person asking the question asked for three, but they also said one. So you know we're gonna we're gonna take the easy way out and we're gonna go one. And okay. overrated or underrated doesn't necessarily mean just standings. That could mean attention. That could mean hype. I think LA is getting a bit overrated. Hmm. More so than anything, because I don't think they have the goaltending to go the distance, right? I think for them to be a contender, contender, they like Cam Talbot playing this well isn't sustainable. Just ask Oilers fans. Um, underrated, probably the Arizona Coyotes. Hmm. They have a good group of young players that are performing well. Their supplementary pieces are performing well. Uh, they're 500. They're in the playoff hunt. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm happy with those answers. Uh, for my overrated, I'm going Boston. I think they're not getting production from the back end like before. Hampus Lindholm has not been doing what he was last year offensively. Um, and I don't, I'm not as high on all of their rookies who have hopped in as as everyone else is. I don't think they're as big of difference makers. Like Patra is cool. I like Beecher had a couple decent games. Um, I wasn't super impressed by Lorai. Um. I, I don't know. Um, I I really don't buy into it, uh, them being a true contender, unless they add, like, two centers. Like, Zaka is sick. Coyle is a third-line center. I would honestly be just as happy uh, if if both Zaka and Coyle were on the third line, or if Zaka was a first- or second-line winger. You know, like, like I just... I Or if if they added another dynamic winger to the top six and a center like, like i think they're missing two top six forwards and i just i don't love it i mean it just i don't even really love their blue line all that much like carlo's good mcavoy is like him or dislike him he's a hell of a player um lindholm he was never known as an offensive dynamo uh, and he was last year for some reason and he's not this year and it kind of seems to have taken a bit of it away from his defensive game i find as well uh i don't know it just it it just seems weird it stinks first round knockout again definitely um and underrated um okay i'm gonna go a different way with underrated i think the carolina hurricane sputtering right now has everyone thinking that they're they're done or they need a massive change I think this team is still nasty and they're still going to blow everyone away and still win a playoff round or two. And I think everyone is counting them out and someone is going to make a lot of money betting on them in the first round. That's uh, that's where I stand on that one. Um, I kind of like this question. What do James and Aiden uh, do for the podcast before and after? Well, well, Aiden, what do we do? We ramble? Is, is that the right word for it? Yeah. Yeah, we just talk. <laughs> oh, I don't know. What does this question mean? Is it like preparation or like directly before and after recording? I think it's directly before and after recording. And um, I think like recent memory like this, this year, and as I've said before, I still think of years and school years. Um, I... I would say him and I usually on either the front or the back end of the podcast, we will 
sit there and talk and vent about our lives for uh 30 minutes maybe as long as three hours um yeah yeah it's it's uh it's a lengthy activity for us there was a time not too long ago where we did a podcast and then i believe for the next three hours and like i got comfortable in my office like i turned my microphone to be on my face like lying down on the couch in my office and I put an airpod in so I could hear him and then we did how I met your mother trivia back and forth for about three hours that was wild <laughs> and it was incredible how much of that show we yeah. don't know <laughs> it's very funny like absolutely insane if there's ever like a how I met your mother trivia night at a bar we need to like go win a 20 dollar gift card to a coffee shop or something I would I would I totally would like we could bring two other people with us to finish out our team of four, whatever they require, and they don't even need to talk. Like they can just sit there and and watch our our master class of knowing too much about this TV show. It's at the point, and I I actually can't remember any, um, but like since then I've had how I met your mother trivia just pop into my head at times, and I can't remember any to ask you, but like it's happened where I'm just thinking I'm like, oh, I should ask James that. <laughs> I've thought of a couple as well, but I just keep coming back to ducky tie stuff. There's just so much <laughs> around the ducky tie. Like it's, it, there's the, the duck tie lore goes deep, man. Yeah. Very yeah. deep. Um, I think we can knock off a couple more here. Um, I kind of like if you could be the GM for any team aside from our favorite teams, which for Aiden Vancouver, for me, Colorado, who would you be the general manager for? Um, I think it would be really cool to be the GM for a team in a non-traditional hockey market because you're not just like the business side of it is a part of it. Like you're trying to get fans in seats while you're trying to make it an exciting team and a contending team. And I think that's really interesting. I think like Yarmo Kekalainen has one of the most interesting jobs as a general manager in the NHL because for one, he has to build a contender, which is not easy. And there are tons of bumps in the road. But he also has to get players that are exciting enough to keep new fans and old fans interested. And I, I think that is such a fascinating job to me. I would, and you know, my answer has more to do with um, situation than like market. To me, it's an easy answer. And I don't know for sure. Like I've heard people talk about which NHL teams are good for this, which NHL teams are bad for this. Uh, whatever team the owner has the least to do with the hockey operations. Interesting. Yeah, like, okay. you need to be able to do your job, period. And, you know, yeah. from being a Canucks fan, uh, the owner's hands-on-ness can be a problem. I think I remember reading the Ducks owners are pretty cool about that. Yeah. So, if, if you're asking me blank slate, I would <laughs> ask 32 people who have worked for 32 teams how hands-on was the owner, and the one that gave me the best answer, that's the team I'm picking. Interesting. Okay. I like that. Um, okay. We are going to have one more, one last question. And it's going to be a, just a fun one. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? And I'm going to, I'm going to load this one up a bit more. What's your most nostalgic ice cream flavor? The one that makes you feel like a kid again. And then what's one you would go to right now? Nostalgia. Nostalgia. 
Probably just cookie dough. Yeah. Okay. I love okay. cookie dough ice cream. That would make me feel like a kid digging for those cookie dough pieces. Um, in terms of specifically uh, chocolate peanut butter, some sort of chocolate peanut butter. That would be mine right now. Yeah. What about you? Very fair. Very fair. Uh, nostalgia rainbow sherbet tastes like childhood. That that rainbow ice cream, I I don't I can't even tell you what it tastes like, but it tastes like being a child. It tastes like getting it all over the backseat of my grandparents' vehicle, and like I am like visibly sad about every drop that I'm missing, and it tastes ridiculously good. And in terms of now, um, you know like the last couple times i've craved ice cream i've specifically wanted the strawberry cheese quick blizzard from dq that's exactly what i've wanted and i've wanted that like getting chunks in in your ice cream like good chunks that's that's pretty sweet cookie dough is a timeless flavor that if you don't like i don't understand you i don't think you're a human being um like you you must have some specific allergy to it that that makes you not like it otherwise there's like something missing in your soul um that that's kind of where i stand you have to love cookie dough if you don't you're you're odd um but yeah yeah i think uh something fruity and chunky is is definitely in my wheelhouse right now but you know chocolate peanut butter was a killer choice i would have chocolate peanut butter everything forever like i, I could i could live off of chocolate and peanut butter if if that was like viable healthy yeah and ethical and possible for life yeah i don't disagree with that i don't know why i said ethical i don't think there's anything unethical about chocolate peanut butter mixing yeah yeah anyways last thing before we wrap if you're listening to this it is sometime after saturday december 16th because that's the day this is going out which means that the next episode you listen to is going to be awesome <laughs> Because we are going to interview, oh, it's gonna be so good. Going to interview Massey Mariamaki. He is a former Finnish professional ice hockey player who represented Finland in the 2004 and 2005 World Junior Hockey Championships. He's got some great stories from that. He's got great stories from his career, and overall, it was 50 minutes of fun for James and I and Massey. So we'll hopefully have that sometime at the end of this week, Thursday or Friday. Keep your eyes open, ears open, and tune in because it's going to be awesome. I'll bookend that by saying uh, after we ended the interview, I FaceTimed Aiden and I couldn't wipe the smile off my face and couldn't stop talking about how awesome it was. So I don't care if you don't know who he is because I was fairly unaware of who he was beforehand. And I will sure never forget this guy because he is so cool. Like he is a very cool human being and I can't wait for you guys to listen to this. And you know what? After you listen, let us know what you think. Uh, when you send in your question, if you're one of our regular question senders, uh, give us a, a quick thought on on what you thought about his interview. We, we probably won't get to them all or read them all, but um, I would love to hear what you guys think. Um, and, and all, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your holidays. Stay away from those, uh, those, those colds and flus. Don't let it ruin your jam. Enjoy seeing your friends and family. I know I will. I know Aiden will. We will see you in the next one. Thank you for listening, guys. Bye.